What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is journalist, author, podcast host, and former teacher Shay Serrano. We spoke about Dune, Shay's love for Jean-Claude Van Damme, the original Mortal Kombat movie, and Jason Statham, why Above the Rim is the best movie soundtrack of all time, the indescribable perfection of Warren G and Nate Dogg's Regulate, the process behind his latest book, Hip Hop and Other Things, and the importance of establishing your own lane as a creative. Come fuck with us. What's crack it, everybody? Welcome back to Real Notes. Um, I don't remember what episode this is anymore. Like, I, I stopped counting. I'm, we're still here. We're still thriving. Um, it's Dylan, Cinema Sci. Um, I got names. Those are two of them all over the place. Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> final, final. This, it's, this has been a pretty, uh, it's so surreal to have taken two weeks off and just, like, to be back now. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, like, my brain is just trying to reacclimate. It's so weird. But, um we got somebody on here who is, uh, it's very wild that this man is here. Um, this man is a writer, a very, very big rap and movie fan, which I think, uh, you know, makes him a perfect guest to have on a thing like this. Like his work has been all over the place from, you know, like from Grantland, OG over there to, you know, like the ringer and just, it, this guy's been everywhere. We got Shea Serrano, his new book, hip hop and other things what up? now. Like, yes. yeah, man. Go buy like, it. Yeah, please go, go, go buy the book. First and <laughs> foremost, go buy this fucking book. <laughs> you will go to hell if you don't buy this book. <laughs> Yo, Shay, man, thank you so much for coming on my shit, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah, I was very excited. I was very excited. Not a, I don't think I've ever done a show where they combined two of the things I like. It's always one of the things I really like. And this one was two. That's pretty. That's a good number for me. See, yeah, same here, man. Like this shit saves so many lives and, you know, like staves off boredom and just like whatever, you know, like we're all just here to we're, like, like we're all just fans and just here to just take it all in. So let's do yeah. that. Let's do let's, that. Let's take it please. all in. Let's do that. So first question I ask everybody who comes on, what's the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about? I watched Dune and I How fucking loved it. Did you did you watch it? I literally saw it like two days ago. Me too. I was watching it um, over the weekend, actually. And then I rewatched it again. It's so fucking good. I liked it. Did you like it? I liked it. I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it because I'm big uh -huh. on the Lynch version. But like, it was beautiful. It looked great. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to like, like, I'm so stuck on how I felt about it because like the acting I thought was just okay, but everything else like <laughs> I can't even front. I, I I fell asleep for five minutes twice. What? <laughs> because what? only, only, only because That's I was terrible. So, I was so tired. I had just done an interview, and like like I went into New York City to go do an interview, and then I went to go see the movie, and I was just I was just tired. But like, <laughs> you can't I got, say I, I was. I had just done an interview. I was so tired. That's not. If you were like I just laid concrete. I was so see? tired. Okay. But I just did it. I just I had just sat down and talked to a person for 20 minutes. I was so tired. You're fucking out of your mind. Get out of here. Nah, man, I was running around Chinatown all day. It, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't quite as crazy as laying concrete. But like it was really good. Are we allowed to say stuff that happened in the movie? Because we're going to do that. So if you're listening, just skip Let's ahead go. like two minutes. Two yeah, minutes. please go for it. I, I, I really, really liked it. Um, like you said, it, it looks incredible. Every single frame is like, oh shit, they really went for it here. Yeah. But the but I think what I think what makes it special, what made it special for me anyway, is that as big as the movie was, the, the like giant set pieces, the big old worm, the big like whatever, um, the big explosions and fights, like that was all cool. But the but the part that like got me the most was at the very end when Paul is fighting the guy to the death. And like place of his mom mm -hmm. and he's just fucking giving him the business and he keeps putting the blade up to his throat and he's like do you yield and they're like hey we don't yield here it's fucking die or, or <laughs> you gotta or kill him <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and he keeps doing it and he can't make himself cut him. And then the one guy is like, is he toying with him? And then his mom says, uh, he, he's never killed a man before. And you see it like on his face, on her face, like just the weight of the moment right there. It's just one small interaction. But, the, but they, they like save it for the whole movie and then they drop the big, uh, the, I mean, that scene happens and then they do the big, like the chant yell or whatever it is from the, the trailer and it comes on right then, right, right before he kills it. And, and I love when movies do that. Um, I think the movie Creed is the best example of that. You go the whole movie without hearing the Rocky theme and then they, they play it right when Creed stands up for the last round and you fucking lose your mind. Like they do, yeah. it's, it's a version of that. And I was so excited when that happened. Okay, the spoilers are over. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I definitely appreciate, I definitely appreciated that building attention too. I just like, I could like, I guess my whole, I guess my big issue with it so far is that like, it clearly feels like a part one. And yeah. like, it's so it's like so dense with the minutiae and it doesn't explain itself very much. So I found myself kind of getting lost just a little bit, but like, as I kind of came up and like started to like, cause I'm like, I just completely blanked on everything about doom. Like I just forgot all of it, you know? You don't so, need like, to just... know anything. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like, you just watch right. it. I have right. never read the book before. I didn't even bother watching the old movies. I just, went into this one not knowing anything and i was like oh i get it paul he's he's neo this is the matrix i'm basically yeah there you go <laughs> right yeah 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 like yeah like i had that moment too like because um uh one of the times i fell asleep i woke up right when oh um God. i woke up right in i woke up right when the big uh when the big rebellion is happening like halfway through and I'm watching yeah. it and I'm like, this kind of reminds me of Avatar. And then everything is just, <laughs> and, and then like the whole, the whole shit just like opened up like a cerebro map in my head. And I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Like, whatever yeah, I yeah, missed, yeah. I get it. It's, it's all good. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty fine. much. But um, I'm really excited for part two. And I just like, I was talking to one of my homies about this yesterday. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Timothy Chalamet yet. That moment you mentioned was really beautiful, but I don't have enough, like just from all the things I've seen him in, I don't have enough of him yet to be like, that kid's a star. Like that kid should be Willy fair. Wonka. Like I'm not there fair. yet. That's, that's, that's fair. He's really good in Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, he is. Um, um, I liked him in this a lot. He is small. So it's like, if I was the other guy, just fucking grab him, just grab a hold of him. And then he's like, what, what, you know, like when you grab your, your little brother, your little sister, and you just squeeze the shit out of him. Right. He would have won, won the fight. You're trying to fucking stab him. Just grab him. Um, but I get it. I get it though. But I liked it. This is the most I've ever liked him in a thing. Uh, I liked him doing the whole like brooding. I, I don't know how I feel about everything. And then at the end, he starts to stand up for himself. All right, cool. Let's go. Right. Yeah. No. And, and like, that's also fair. You know, like I, I um, like I know I can already tell I'm going to like the second one way more. And like I have to go back and watch the first one since it's on HBO Max. I saw it in the theater. You saw it in the theater. Or you saw it at home. I watched it at home first and I really, really liked it. And then I, went, I was like, I, I want to go see it on a bigger screen. And yeah. then I did that definitely one for the theater like I, I'm, I'm like I was happy to throw down the money for it and just like sit and it, it was so worth it just, just 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 like like on a purely technical level just gorgeous 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 movie I think yeah. um um like you don't really it, it's because like it's weird because like it's a because like it's very much like a it's very much like a tale as old as time kind of like plotted thing that you can follow pretty easily but everything mm -hmm. else about it is just like so strange and just like so like scaled back and like restrained and just like yeah just weird you know I don't, I don't know it's just like dune is always i like weird. that i like that. i like that i like too. that about it yeah me too especially like on like a big scale like that you don't see you don't see very many studios take a risk on stuff like that so you know i'm big i'm i'm i'm, I'm big on risk over here so i fuck with yeah. that a ton um, so let's run this back even further with you. Like, what's the first movie experience you remember having? Like, it could be at the theater, your cousin's house, wherever. Like, <clears throat> the very first movie I can remember going to a theater to watch was Kickboxer, starring Jean Claude Van Damme. My uncle Brian took me. My uncle, so I don't have any older siblings. Um, my uncle Brian is like, I think he's like 13 years older than me or something like that. He's not that much older. So when I was a kid, 
when I was nine or 10, he was in his early twenties and he lived with us at the time. He had just gotten out of the, out of the military. I was living with my grandma and he came back home. It was his mom. And so he moved in with her. So I, I like all of a sudden I had a cool older brother and he was like, Hey, have you ever heard of mortal Kombat?" And then you're like, show me mortal Kombat." And I'm like, yes. And he's like, Hey, you ever heard of playboy magazine? And he would show me a playboy magazine. And I was like, yes. Uh, but he took me to go see, to go see kickboxer. And it's the very first movie memory I have in my head. I, I imagine it's part of the reason why I love Jean-Claude Van Damme so much. I have literally on the other side here, I'm going to turn my camera. Nobody else will get to see it, but you can see over there. There's a framed Bloodsport poster with a Bloodsport handmade statue and an autographed wow. picture by Bolo Young. Like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's the first actual theater experience I can remember. What um what is it about Van Damme that you love so much? Because yeah, like you talk about him pretty often. <clears throat> yeah, because so he shows up. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone were were they were running action movies in the 80s. They like re they 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 changed the whole fucking landscape of what an action movie star was supposed to look like or be. And then in the late 80s, Bruce Willis shows up and he's like the opposite of them. He like kind of doesn't want to be the hero. This is with Die Hard, of course. And he like, he's not all bulky and big. Whereas Stallone and Schwarzenegger, they would make it a point of like being impossible to hurt in their movies. The, the scene everybody remembers from Die Hard is when Bruce Willis gets all the glass in his feet and he's just like in total agony. Like he did a whole new thing with action movie stars. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme is like the midpoint in between both of those. He's not quite as big and bulky, but he's very, very muscular. He's not quite indestructible. You can hurt him, but you can never really, like, really, really hurt him. You're never worried that he's going to die in anything. Um, he, he's just, he's super handsome, which helps a lot. Facts. He's got a, <laughs> he has, he has a, um, he has a, like a trademark move with the splits and you just wait for it to happen in the movies. He just has all of the things that, that like, when you're a kid and you're watching a movie, you're, you're hoping to see. You're like, oh, that's, that's the star of the movie. Oh, he's in a tournament and he has to fight the bad guy and they play music when the bad guy shows up. So I know who the bad guy is. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like they, like, it's very much that thing. And I just fucking loved him for that. I get that. Like, you know, like I didn't grow up with Van Damme, but as I got older, I like watched a few <clears> of his <throat> movies and like, I, and, and like, I got the appeal, you know? And mm -hmm. of course, like there's like that iconic split shot in um I'm, I'm in blood sport where he's just like looking over the horizon and i yeah, saw he does um, it like six times in blood sport it's crazy right <laughs> and then um i remember i remember when i first saw the cover for uh action bronson's um mr wonderful where he's doing the yeah. exact same split uh -huh. and uh -huh. like you know like of course i was like a lot older by then but i'm just looking like and i, I just thought like damn like that's just like a really cool obscure like popular but obscure movie reference to like throw into an album cover like you can tell mm -hmm. this man cares about the two things mm -hmm. he's doing in this thing right now and yeah, like, yeah 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 van damme definitely like typified that type of shit for me definitely yeah he was awesome he's he's the coolest <laughs> do you um before we move on do you have a favorite van damme movie is it Bloodsport or or is there it's, another it's, one it's Bloodsport for sure yeah definitely Bloodsport and then kickboxer and then after that maybe lionheart or death warrant sneaky pick right there death mm, warrant. yeah wow that's what i haven't heard that name in years um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious now how do you feel about the expendable movies were they like were those were those things that you fucked with when they first came out like are, are you a fan of those i watched them but i wasn't like crazy about them like yeah. i got what they were doing i was like all right it's cool to see all of these guys together but you, the, the, the thing of putting them all together is they don't snap together the way that like the Avengers do in the movies. Right. You know what I'm saying? The pieces don't fit. You know, like it, it's kind of not working here beyond the fact that it's all of the guys from the movies together in one movie now. Like that's the thing. But beyond that, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't quite work. So I was like, whatever about them. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. Cause like the whole idea is like kind of anachronistic on its own. Just like, you know, like they're all in action movies, but like all the movies are different. You know, it's not like it's not yeah. like they all it's not like they're all like the same person and they kind of 
like I get that they're trying to like play them off each other and but like I watched them and I was like this is I had the exact same reaction I'm like this is cool but eh, like I I just yeah it doesn't work now now if they would have done a thing where it was like we're gonna take these iconic action movie stars and we're gonna put them all together but they're going to be their iconic movie roles like like Schwarzenegger is gonna be you you can't maybe you could maybe do Terminator two or whatever, but probably yeah. like Schwarzenegger is going to be John Matrix from Commando, and Stallone is going to be Rocky or Rambo probably probably Rambo. He's yeah, going to be John Rambo, Rambo <laughs> right? Jean Claude Van Damme is going to be Frank Duke. Like if they were playing those roles and you got to see them all together and that that would have been fun, but to have them be there and they they they're playing like I couldn't tell you the name of one single character from the movie. It just it just didn't work. It wasn't the same. Uh, yeah, you know, it, like, <clears throat> like, yeah, like, you know, either have like Jason Statham be his character from the Transporter, or just like just yeah. have him be Crank, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah, Crank. That's his name. Where's Crank? Get crank, crank in here. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, forget Chef Chelios. He's just Crank now. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love the Crank movies. Maybe, Me maybe, too. like, they're they're just so unhinged, bro. Like, I don't understand what um neville dean taylor were thinking when they made those movies (laughs) when uh when i started working on the movie book movies and other things the very first chapter i worked on was a jason statham chapter Uh, and the the chapter was like um which jason statham movie was the most stathamy or something like that i ended up getting cut i ended up cutting it out of there ultimately um but it was just like just a study of jason statham movies and the crank ones are so fucking good. the winner was crank too by the way that's the most state of me jason state movie it's out of it's just out of this world insane yeah like it, it's like it really feels like i can't even describe the process of like watching the second crank movie like you know because because like even before the even before they get into the costumes and have the fight at the power plant it's like it's just like what the fuck am i watching like you know like it- just like that's why I like Jason Statham so much because he will he will lean into it a hundred percent. He's just like I know I know what I am and I know what I do. I'm gonna fucking be who I am and do what I do. It's great. It's so much fun. Yeah, he's a fucking he's a fucking professionally trained thumb fighter. His head looks like a thumb, and I just think <laughs> of it like 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 I like I just think of him as like a or, or not even a thumb like a big toe. Like I just imagine him as just yeah. like a big toe with legs. And just like this Cockney accent, like what, <laughs> something else. What's what's the very first scene you think of when somebody says the name Jason Statham? Oh, wow. what do you think of right now? Right now, I'm gonna say, oh, probably the beginning of the first crank. Honestly, like okay. when he like wakes up in the so so either either the scene where he first wakes up and is watching him get injected with the with the Beijing cocktail on the TV, or probably the fight scene in the middle of crank two when he and um johnny wong are fighting at the power plant i always think of the one in uh in transporter when he gets all oiled up and then he puts the he puts the the bicycle the bicycle pedals on his feet like straps him in so he can be the only one who's not slipping and sliding that was so fucking fun so cool to watch in a movie theater oh man i can only imagine i never got to see any of the transporter movies in theaters and like and like, there's really, there really isn't even that much of a dis- of, of a divide between the transporter and crank. Like the transporter just takes itself a little more seriously, in my opinion. Yeah, like they're that's they're, exactly it. They're basically the same movie, you know. But like, it's just like one's a parody of the other, kind of. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> I there's I think it's this guy named Kevin Clark who I work with at the Ringer, and I think it was him who floated the idea of every Jason Statham movie should just be called Jason Statham movie part yeah. one, part two, part like that. Cause it's just the same shit every time. But yeah, I'm all for it. I love Jason Statham. Yeah. Same. I, I, I'll, I like Jason Statham forever. Like he could, like he could really just go on and do it till he's 80 and I'll be there every time. Like, he was so fun. So funny and spy with Melissa McCarthy. He's just oh, fucking yeah, the yeah, funniest was. part of that movie. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 you know, like people, people don't appreciate him the way they should. I don't think like it's, he's, he's, he's kind of been quiet for a while. So I wonder, I wonder what he's up to now. Like okay. He's fighting, he's fighting somebody. Somewhere. He's fighting somewhere. Like not, not even rolling the cameras. <laughs> um, so like, as you get older and like, you kind of had this experience with uh, um, your uncle, like, 
and like you start experiencing movies. Um, do you remember the first movie that made you fall in love with movies is more than just, well, well, not even just as more than entertainment, just like what made you fall in love with the art of movie making and just like really appreciate it in that way? It was Mortal Kombat, the movie Mortal Kombat. Okay. I don't know. So I don't know how old you are. It sounds like you're real young. You keep saying like, oh, I never saw this in the thing or that in the thing. How I'm old 29. are you? I'm 29. Oh yeah, yeah, you're just a baby. Yeah, basically. Um, so, okay. So in 1995, the Mortal Kombat movie comes out. And by then we had already gotten the video games. And this was like one of the most important things in my life was Mortal Kombat. And my uncle, a different uncle, my uncle Jesse took me to go see it because he had two sons as well. And so I was hanging out with, with them. We all went to go watch it. And I just remember sitting in the theater and it's, it starts up with the like the fire coming up through the the dragon logo from Mortal Kombat and the guy is screaming Mortal Kombat and fire and you're like let's fuck yes let's go let's do this right uh, and and this is I was 14 at the time or something like that so I was uh, I thought I was grown up I'm sitting in the movie theater with my nachos my eyes up on the screen and I'm just like I'm convinced as I'm watching it this is the best movie that's ever been made like it's got to be <laughs> fuck citizen kane or whatever this is better than that. That's how I'm feeling when I'm watching it. And there's a scene in there specifically where Sub-Zero and Scorpion get introduced. And at the time, Sub-Zero and Scorpion were my two favorite characters from the, from the game. Um, so I'm waiting for them to show up the whole time. We get introduced to Shang Tsung, we get Liu Kang, we get Johnny Cage. They're just, they're doing it slowly. And you're like, I fucking can't wait for Scorpion and Sub-Zero to be in here. Please be in this movie. And Sonia goes down into like the belly of the ship. Shang Tsung is down there. And they're like, it seems like he's going to like attack her or something. And then Johnny Cage and, and Liu Kang show up. And she's like, if I, I'll, if I, if I need backup, I'll call for it. Cause they try to jump in and save her. Yeah. And right at that moment, this fucking hand comes in and grabs this like door that swings open. The hand grabs the door and pushes it open. And then Scorpion and Sub-Zero come walking out and this terrifying music plays. And they don't talk. They never talk. But Shang Tsung narrates their entrance. And he's like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, deadliest of enemies. But underneath my power, or whatever he says, like, it's something like that. And I was fucking stand up, like, saluting at the screen. I was so fucking fired up. And that, that was the moment where movies, like, crawled inside of my body and said, we're going to live here for the rest of your life. This is going to be something you, you deeply are, are passionate about. Wow. That's so visceral, you know, like it's, 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 it's not even, it's not even just about like, cause like, cause like we could talk about the art of it all day, but like that feeling is really like, that's the catalyst for everybody, you know, like, like everybody has that one moment and that's just, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that's, and, and that's all that it is. That is all that it has been for the entirety of my career with music, uh, covering music, covering basketball, covering movies whatever if it when it makes me feel the thing in my chest that's like a version of that feeling is when i know it's good and i don't care about anything else i don't care about any of the other parts i don't care about the fucking cinematography or the whatever whatever like like i don't like if the pieces all come together and they make you feel that then it's good and there's nothing that anybody can say to me to say oh no mortal kombat is a terrible movie no it's not because it made me feel how a movie is supposed to make you feel. Did it make you feel something? If it did, then it won. You lost, it beats you. It, it, like, it's fine. When you watch Crank, you feel a thing in your chest. You're the, you feel a thing and you're like, fuck yes. He fucking punted a head out into the ocean. Like, <laughs> yes, I felt the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, that's all that it is for music, basketball, anything. Do you feel the thing? If you feel the thing, then it's good. Say that, oh my, like, I couldn't put it better myself like it's it's like that it's really just a feeling you know like and that's it that's all that matters Ugh. yeah you have somebody wow. play you have two people playing a guitar the exact same way you can find you can find 100 people who could play a Jimi hendrix song but when they play it you don't feel it they could play it note for note note for note it could be a hundred percent exactly the same a replica and you don't feel it but when you put on jimmy you feel it you feel it and that's the difference that's 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 really the difference so like when did that feeling first happen for you with music like it doesn't even have to just be rap specific like it could be any any music ever 
Oh shoot. So I remember, I remember really like 91 ish or whatever is when I think vanilla ice and MC hammer started becoming like a giant phenomenon. Yeah. And I was nine or 10 at the time. And they were making music very much for nine and 10 year olds. Like they did, like MC hammer did a song with the Adams family. You know what I'm saying? Vanilla ice did a song with the Ninja turtles. Like they were right. catering to kids. This is pop rap. This is the birth of, of, of pop rap. So I can remember liking rap at that time. I had this very similar experience with Mortal Kombat one prior to Mortal Kombat. When I went to the theater and we watched, um, at the drive-in and we watched Ninja Turtle 2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, because yeah. Vanilla Ice is in that. It's like a quick thing at the end. Uh, I felt a, a same sort of way. But like actually feeling that a version of that big feeling where it's like crawls inside of you and just lives there forever is probably it's probably the beginning of, of the song Hail Mary by Tupac. Mm. And it's like the big, it's like the big bell at the beginning. Dong. And then you hear Tupac, Hilmer, come with me. At the first 45 seconds of that song are fucking perfect. Just like perfect. And as a kid, I remember it coming out of the speakers and just crawling inside of my ears and grabbing a hold of my spine and just like shaking it. And I had never like felt that way while listening to any sort of music before. I got excited when Vanilla Ice and the Ninja Turtles were together. Like I loved it. I, I, again, I was watching it and I was like, this is the best thing that there, this is the best rapper, the best musician of all time is what I'm watching yeah. when he started doing ninja rap or whatever. But, but like a, like an, an actual, you have to, I think you have to be like a teenager to feel that feeling. And I was about right about the same age, somewhere between 14 and 16 years old and Tupac do, doing Hail Mary, screaming it at the beginning and the Tupac voice where it's kind of a scream, but kind of him just talking big yeah and just the way he says hail mary i don't know if you put like sound clips into the show you should put it right here so we can hear him saying it hail mary. that's fucking <laughs> perfect god damn man i might have to figure it out i don't do sound clips yet but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try eventually no when you get yeah. there when you get there <laughs> um so i definitely had that kind of vanilla ice moment with um i had that moment with bow wow when i was about um somewhere yeah. between like eight eight and ten years old Cause the first, mm -hmm. cause, cause the first album, the first rap album I ever owned was Beware a Dog. And this was like right before, this was like right before 106 and Park popped off. Like, like maybe a couple months beforehand or something like that. And then just like, I remember seeing the video and just like Bow Wow, I think he was wearing like a Denver Nuggets jersey and he had on the chain and the, and the headband. And I was like, this is the greatest rapper of all time. Like that was mm -hmm. when I was like, all right, I'm here. Like I'm not going nowhere anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember when he showed up at the end. I don't even know what video it was. He just like ob obliterated the actual video. It was somebody else's video. And then it's him and Jermaine Dupri and Bow Wow is rapping at the end of it. And that's where he says the line about I've got my arm in the, in the net like Vince Carter. And, oh, damn. Um, but he comes in like remember when videos would do the thing where they would have like at the very end of it, at the beginning of another video, and then that was it. You just got like yeah. a clip of it. He did. He showed up like that, and everybody just went fucking crazy. And then yeah, the the beware the dog came out, and he was he was as big as it got. It felt like I, I can't. I I was in college when this happened. I can't imagine right. what it felt like to be twelve years old and seeing this kid uh, out there with the adults. You fucking must have lost your mind. Yeah, I, I was going crazy. That was um, um the song you're talking about. That's bounce. That's a uh, bounce with me. That's yeah, bounce yeah, with yeah. Me. yeah, yeah. Like yeah, wow, like yeah. See? It just that shit just blew my mind, and I was like, all right, like you know, I <laughs> like you know, I like all I decided, right. <laughs> like I decided, like not even not even just that, like I like the music, but like because because like I because like I had heard rap before, like my parents mm -hmm. played it a little bit, and like I heard what was like on the radio and whatever, but like that felt like okay, this is mine. You know, like yeah. I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this and this is my, this is my entry into this. And then that's like mm -hmm. that, like that moment too, like having that like foundational moment, like whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. Cause like, I feel like people get ashamed when they're like, oh yeah, I used to listen to like Bow Wow or like Criss Cross or like Hammer or Vanilla Ice. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's the starting that's, point. Like That's how it works. 
Everybody has it in their head that it's supposed to be backwards. Like you're like you're really supposed to be 10 years old in the record store digging through crates. Like, like oh, Mad Lib, who is this? I must love this. Like, that's not how it works. You, it doesn't right. work that way. You, when you're introduced to something, you get the biggest version of it first, whatever the most popular one is. That's what introduces you to it. And then you find your way toward the smaller stuff. You learn about LeBron James before you learn about whoever, Anthony Edwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like yeah. it, it's, it goes like that. Everybody thinks it's the other way. It's so stupid. Right. Yeah. No, nah, it's just like you, you're really just hustling backwards at that point. Like, just like give yourself yeah. time to like sp- figure it all out. Like, especially if you're younger, mm-hmm. like, come on. For real. <laughs> um, so, you know, like as you're getting older and you have these experiences with like, you know, like rap and film, like was like what like was there ever a, or, or or no, I, I, I mean, like I clearly there was a point. But like, do you remember when you first consciously began to link film and music together in your head as two things that like complement each other? Yeah, it was when the movie Above the Rim came out. Hmm. Uh, this is all happening around the same time. So this thing happened when I was working on hip hop and other things where you have by this point rap. Rap starts out in the 70s and then now it's 2021. So we're talking about 40, 50 years. You have 40, 50 years of stuff that you can write about if you're putting a, a rap book together. And I kept finding myself migrating back to like music that came out between 92 and 2002 or something like that right i kept i was like oh i want to write about uh snoop dogs doggy style i want to write about illmatic i want to write about hardcore Lil kim's hardcore i want to write about mm-hmm. missy elliott dmx buster rhymes whatever like and i was like why do i keep going back to this is it i mean my argument is going to be that like 94 is the greatest year in the history of rap above 1988, above 96, above 98, whatever, 94 is like my pick. But is that really the case? Or or is this just like, is there something else at play? So I started researching a bunch. And then I found out like there have been been a bunch of studies done where people were trying to figure out like why you care about certain things more than you care about other things, even if those other things are better than the thing you care about. And ultimately they came up with like, when you become somewhere around 14 years old, stuff imprints itself onto you differently than it does when you're 24 or 34 or whatever. It's just more meaningful. It's more important. And that's why I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I keep doing this in the book. That's why I care about Buster Rhymes Dangerous video, which came out in 97 or 98, more than I care about like another video that came out two years ago or whatever. Um, but all that to say, yeah, when when Above the Rim came out, which was a, a, a movie about basketball right around the same time that had Tupac in it, Well, I just was talking about, I was like completely in love with. Yeah. Um, they were using the song Regulators or Regulate, Warren G's Regulator. Classic. Warren G's Regulate, him and Nate Dogg. That was like the big song from the, from the movie. The video itself, when you watch the video, it had clips of the movie in it. It was all bundled together. And I was like... I have to do everything I can in my power to go watch this movie because this is all of this stuff that I love. But that was the first time I can remember them being linked together, like where you couldn't pull any other pieces apart. You need one for the other. And it makes sense because I, I think um, Above the Rim, that soundtrack is like the greatest movie soundtrack ever. It's better, th- it's better than everything that you can name. Probably a close second is The Bodyguard or Purple Rain or something like that, like that stars a musician. But this one, in this case, I mean, it stars Tupac as well, but that, I think that's the greatest one ever. That was the first one where I was like, wait, regulate specifically. We were like, God, this is, this is awesome. I didn't know that this could happen. Man, I'm so happy you brought that up because um, uh, maybe about two years ago now, I wrote a piece for DJ Booth about, my, uh, about um, the best rap songs that appeared on movie soundtracks ever. And I think, I think Regulate was my number one. Like, it that's, should be. It's, 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 it's the best it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't understand why that song is so good. Like I've heard it hundreds of times. And like, I just think like, how did they do this? You know, like, it's just like, just trying to figure out the math and science behind it. It's just like, it's because it's Nate Dogg, the greatest G-Funk hook singer ever. Man, it's G-Funk, G-Funk, probably, probably the greatest subgenre of rap ever. It just feels good. It's Warren G, one of the most underappreciated rappers ever. Truly. And he fits, he fits perfectly alongside what Nate, Nate does. He does the exact opposite of what Nate does. 
and it just all works. It all works. Yeah, it's just like a perfect pairing, you know. Like you <clears> couldn't <throat> ask, you couldn't ask for two people who are like so diametrically opposed to just come together and form that yin, yeah. yin and yang. Like it's, I yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever that happens, whenever you get to a spot where it's like, like oftentimes if there's a pairing for a song, you could be like, well, we can take this one person out and replace it with this other person, and it would be as good or better. You know what I'm saying? Like that happens a bunch. But on the on the times when it doesn't, like you can't take um, Snoop off of nothing but a G thick and replace him with anybody else on the planet and, and make mm-hmm. the song better. It's impossible. And you can't take Dre out of it and replace him with anybody else and make it better. It's impossible. When that happens, that's when like that's when the song lives forever. The same thing happened here. You can't replace Warren G with any. He was never the most popular rapper. He's never the best rapper on the planet. But you you can't replace him. He's irreplaceable. It doesn't matter who else you grab. You could fucking build a time machine and take 2007 Little Wayne, who had one of the all-time great runs Facts. during that stretch. You could take him back in time and put him on that song, and it wouldn't be as good. It, and when that happens, it fucking lives in for ever, ever, ever. Right. You know, like same thing with same thing with Nicki Minaj on Monster, which, you know, you, which, you know, you bring up on the book. Like there's nobody else who could have done what Nicki did on Monster. You know? Yeah. Nobody. Like, Not one other person could do what she did on that song right there. Right. It's, it's, it's just like, yeah. And like, I don't just yeah, just like Regulate is just such a beautiful song. And like now that we're talking about now that we're talking about Above the Rim, um, do you have. Do you have a specific favorite hip hop movie moment that you could think of? Because like, I feel like that's a very, that's just like a really specific question that I feel like only a handful of people like really have an answer to. So like, do you, mm-hmm. do you have one of those? I'm sure that I do. So I, the silliest one for sure, the one that I've been thinking about the most recently for like the last two months, just because, because the new Halloween movie started getting teased and then it came out. But Buster Rhymes shows up in Halloween Resurrection. Yes, he does. And he, and he, and he number one, cusses out Michael Myers, the real Michael Myers. He thinks he's talking to a fake Michael Myers, and he just fucking shits all over him. Just, it's just them two in a room together. Michael Myers could have just grabbed him and slit his throat. But Buster Rhymes was just talking so much shit to him that Mike turned tail and walked out. He just left. And then later on, they get into an actual fisticuffs fist fight where Buster Rhymes karate kicks him. He oh, fucking electrocutes him, yeah. electrocutes him in the dick with a giant cord. Like I, that, that one stands out in my head. The, I mean, Tupac and Tupac and, um, and above the rim, specifically when he does the razor blade trick for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what, the, what the fuck? What was that? <laughs> um, but, but if I have to pick one, one above all of them. I think it has to be, and I wrote about this in the movie book, matter of fact, I think it has to be Ice Cube and Friday because that was the very first movie ever that I heard about before I saw anything for it. Because they weren't like, we didn't go to the movies a bunch. So there was not a chance for me to see a trailer. And I, I, I never saw a trailer for Friday in the theater. I don't even know if they were playing it. They might not have been playing them very much, if, if at all. But right. I never saw a trailer for it. I never saw a poster for it. All that I knew is that one day everybody was talking in my neighborhood one way. And then the next day, everybody was talking a different way. Everybody was doing the like, you got to be a stupid motherfucker to get fired on your day off. Like that kind of thing. You got knocked the fuck out. That kind of thing. Bye, Felicia. Everybody was saying these same like six or seven lines. And I'm like, what is going on? What is this? And finally, somebody told me what it was. And then eventually it came on, came to the, to Blockbuster and we got to rent it and watch it. And I like, I just, just because it was the very first movie I ever experienced before I watched it, it stands out in my head as this like giant thing. So I got, so I got to go with Ice Cube as my winner. There's my first place. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like Friday is like Friday is so iconic that it like, people who are already in the know already knew about like the by Felicia's and like all those lines and then just like out of nowhere like four or five years ago like somebody said it and then it just became like pop culture lexicon like bam like it had the moment like almost 20 years after the fact you know like I don't know what sorry I know what it was I know what it was because when Straight Outta Compton came out 
the mm. NWA movie. Right. Directed directed by F. Gary Gray, the same director. Right. Ice right, Cube's right. son plays Ice Cube in the movie. And there's a by Felicia moment in there. They set it up perfectly. Um, I, the NWA has already become famous. They're just, you know, they're, they're this giant rap group. Uh, they're doing a party in a hotel. Um, this guy and his friends come to the door looking for his girl. Hey, where's my girl? Right. Yeah. And, and her name is Felicia. And they slide it in there real quick. Hey, my girl Felicia's in here, wherever. And then Dr. Dre's character slams the door. He walks like the rooms are connected. He walks to the other one. He's like, are you Felicia? Where's Felicia? Some, some, some. But they're doing it amongst, uh, amongst this chaos of like this impending fight that's going to happen. And then uh, turns out Felicia's with, with Easy E. She's performing oral sex on him in the bathroom. Right. He com- comes out. They get the guns. They walk out. And he's like, there it is. They're, they're confronting everybody. It's like this great scene. They chase the guys off. And then it ends with them throwing Felicia out of the room. And you just hear him say, bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia, right. And then, well, I remember watching in the theater. And it was such an unexpected, like, little hat tip. But when they paid off that well, the whole fucking theater just was like erupted in applause because we all knew what it was and what had just happened and that we had all just been tricked. Nobody saw it coming. If somebody tells you they knew it was going to happen, they're fucking lying right in your face. But right. when, they, when you hear the words... And you realize, oh, shit, that's Ice Cube's son. Oh, shit, that's the same director. Oh, shit, that's this. It's like eight things in place. Oh, fuck, it just came back. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's just like, wow. Just the, like, because, yeah, yeah, like, I remember when I first saw Straight Outta Compton, too. And, and now that I think about it, I think I've only seen it the one time in theaters. But just, like, it was just such a beautiful moment. And, like, people who knew about it, and, like, everybody who knew what the reference was, it's like, ah, but... Then you had people who were like, bye, Felicia. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then it was like, have you seen this movie called Friday? Like you said, like the BuzzFeed mm-hmm. articles come out. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, I think whole that thing. was definitely, yeah. Um, F. Gary, F. Gary Gray, an incredible director. Some of the best movies in my life. But so he does Friday, the Straight Outta Compton. He does mm-hmm. Set It Off, which should also get mentioned here if we're talking about hip hop moments and movies with Definitely. Queen Latifah. Oh my God, what, a, what I wrote a whole thing about her in the, I mean, in the rap book and hip hop and other things, but specifically I wrote about her role in Set It Off um, as the like bruiser of the group, just fucking yeah. an iconic performance that she should get mentioned here too. But man, F. Gary Gray is, I love him. I love him yeah, every time man. he shows up for a movie. The Negotiator. Um, law-abiding citizen a just a just great great silly movie to watch golly yeah he um he which of the which of the fast and furious movies did he direct because it was one of like the uh, recent eight. ones he it did was eight. eight okay he did eight. Of yeah, the he, furious yeah right he made of the furious he did he did great with that too like he's you know he's incredibly versatile i know he started off as um was he a no he wasn't a music video director because i know because i know like before he started directing movies he was like he um he like he would like shoot interviews for somebody mm-hmm. I forget who but but either way like he's just been in the game forever and you know like yeah yeah he's, no he's, he's done, he he has done he did videos he did um okay okay um he did them for uh I mean all the uh, Ice Cube I know he did Dr Dre I know he did Queen Latifah I know he did I'm sure others as well but yeah he he definitely has like you know. He has that on his on his resume for sure. Right. Did he did he direct the video for It Was a Good Day? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which makes sense if you look at that and then you look at Friday. Mm-hmm. They're you know thematically very similar in uh, in themes. Yeah. No. Nah, definitely. They're definitely having a conversation. Like you could really like if you wanted to, you could teach a class on like how those two just like how to like expand like concepts from a video into a like because because i actually don't remember like what order they came out and i don't remember if friday came first or if the video came first. no Either it, way, was, it like, was a good day it was a good day came first that was that was okay. 90 91 92 92 is when that one came out right um, and then you know friday didn't friday didn't come out until 95 it does friday um set it off and the negotiator in like a three-year period or something like that right Right, 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 right. So yeah, you know, like you could really like you could teach a whole class on how to expand something from like such a short medium as a music video into like um, into something feature length. Like it's just really beautiful, the transition and just like how they talk to each other. I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned it. So that's crazy. I want I wonder if they ever had that conversation, him and him and Dre about 
I mean, they did the video for it. It was a good day. And then I wonder if they were like, hey, this is like, we should maybe do a movie also set over the course of one day and like figure it out or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I think a more direct example of that is, is when Edgar Wright turned that video into Baby Driver. Mm. It's like all the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, shout out F. Gary Gray. I hope yeah. he's a listener of Real Notes. I hope so too, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get him. Let's get he's him. Being, let's get he's him. being celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> Come on the show, sir. We'll, 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 we'll do it up. <laughs> um, so, of course, you know, like we've talked about it a bunch already, but I want to get into, um, um, I want to get into hip hop and other things. And, um, you know, like one of the things I loved about first starting to crack open the book was that you partially dedicated it to listening to music while driving around in the car, which is like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just such a, it's such a beautiful pastime that like, I don't want to say it's underappreciated, but it just feels, it's just like one of those things you just don't think about. Like you do it and it's like a great experience. And it just like, it's just like, you know, you don't think about it until you read stuff like this you know so like (laughs) you know like for you like what's a like do you remember the first album you heard while you were in a car that like kind of gave you that moment i i do actually um because i didn't get a car until right at the end of high school and when i finally got one i was so excited because it had a cd player in it it was a little hyundai it was just a little piece of shit hyundai (laughs) it was two it was two thousand dollars but it was mine and I loved it and I washed it and I kept it clean. And it, because it had the CD player in there, I thought it was fucking, I was like the way Kanye West felt when he was shouting about no one man should have all that power. That's mm-hmm. how I felt when I would start up my car to listen to my little shitty radio. But the very first album that I played in there and I can remember driving around, just listening to it, being excited to listen to rap and somewhere other than my bedroom was uh mace's album harlem world which came out in 97 so i was 16 at the time and it must have been my junior year or something like that but that album came out and then there's a song on there that's produced by the neptunes called looking at me and it's and it starts out as like and it's like kind of there's not a lot of bass in it but there's enough bass in it that you can like feel it in the speakers even shitty speakers they just sounded good that's yeah. how talented the Neptunes are. Uh, I remember playing that one and being like, hell yeah, this is the, this is the peak of my life right here. And I'm just <laughs> riding around listening to Mace and the fucking Neptunes and Puff Daddy. It's great. Man, I love that album. And I just found it at a thrift store on CD maybe like a Did month you? and a half ago. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, cause like I never, like I owned it when I was younger and I lost my copy and like, I just needed, I just needed to own it. And I just learned that um, Mace went to my college. I went to a SUNY purchase and like he went to purchase mm-hmm. for like a semester, like maybe not even a full semester. It was like- You can claim it, you can claim it. It, <laughs> it was, it, it, was um, 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 it was in that period, um, it was like right before he went down to Atlanta to go meet Puff for the first time. Yeah, that sounds and, right. And 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 like he like, like, like he was there and like he spent I think like the last like mo- he spent like the last money he had on like the on like the flashiest suit he could possibly buy. And then he went to the little um, he, <laughs> he, went to, he went to the little convention in Atlanta and that's where he met Puff and then that's how the bad boy thing started. Like it was it was yeah yeah it was just like. But man, like ha- Harlem World is such a great album to play in the car. It's, so it's just, good. yeah, it's like so it's, good. it's just so fun, you know. Like it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And like I know people were really against that at the time because you know, like because like that was when like the, that was when like everything was just hard and gritty, and people were like, "What's this?" Like you know, I don't know. Yeah, like, we we had just we had just come out of Tupac and Biggie getting murdered, right? And then and then Puff is doing the doing like we're gonna reintroduce all the samples and everything's going to be fun and, and shiny and yeah there was definitely some pushback to it until it sort of took over everything and then everybody tried to do it they, jay-z's for very first like proper single or video that he put out is just a ripoff of what puff and them were doing here like you can go watch yeah. it um <laughs> on youtube right now and you're like what is what is this but mace was so good he was so it, he would tell everybody like, I'm not the new biggie. Don't, I don't want to be that. Don't say that I'm that. But everybody was still saying that like, that's what you're supposed to be. I I imagine that that's a lot of pressure to have on you, but Harlem world came out. It was, that was that album. That was that album. That was um, Puff Daddy's album. 
was it what was it called no way out i feel like it was called no way out i Hold think on. so I'm gonna, look, I'm gonna look it up right now so i can so that i can make sure that i'm right about this <laughs> let's see yep that's what it was no way out that album comes out man it was just such a fun time in rap when all of that was happening and then of course dmx shows up and shuts all that shit down he's like hey right. yeah. we're back to this here we are this new thing it, what, a, what a great stretch that was yeah honestly and then he did it two times in the same year you know like forget that, about it man like <laughs> a million units two times like come on like who nobody would nobody had ever done that tupac wow. did it but tupac was passed like right. that he was a fir- DMX, the first one ever to do it a lot. But man, what a stretch. So you have you have Missy, Mace, Buster Rhymes, Puff Daddy, DMX, Jay-Z, fucking like from not from 97 to 99 or something. Like what great fun. What great fun it was. Truly. Like, <laughs> and, you know, um, yeah, I agree 100 percent. And that's, you know, like that's one of the like. Like I get that and so much more from so much of hip hop and other things that like, it's just like, you know, you, you know, like, of course, like with, um, with the other books, you had the basketball book, you had the movie book and this is, you know, this is number three. Like, I love this little trilogy because you can like, one thing I love about you, Shay, and that I've always loved from like all your writing and just like the podcasts you do, like, you, you, um, you know, like the older stuff you've done with the ringer and the new thing with Jinx, of course, um, no skips, like you just have so much passion. Like you just like you just have this like zeal and lust for life in you, and it's like it's like it's just like everything you write about, and it's just like that comes through so much. And like I just wanted to say, I just really appreciate how much love and passion you put into what you do because it really just shows. Like, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that it that it works. That's the whole point of the stuff I'm trying to do is just celebrate this shit that I like. And let you know, I, I had like a struggle early on in my book career when I was trying to, it, this happened in basketball and other things, because basketball, there was a fucking hundred years of history to cover or something goofy like that. Right. And so immediately it was like very overwhelming. Like, how do you write about everything? How do you even see everything? This, this, that. And while I was working on it, that's when I realized that the point of doing the books is not to like cram an infinite amount of stuff into a finite amount of space because that's impossible by its very nature the Mm -hmm. the point of doing the books or the goal of doing the books anyway is to write about something in so specific of a way that the person reading it can it like activates something in them that reminds them of their version of that thing like there's a whole chapter in the book about uh, missy elliott We've mentioned her a couple of times here. The album Super Duper Fly is one of my five favorite albums ever. And so I wanted to write about the album and I wrote about it. And hopefully if somebody reads the chapter, somebody who has never even listened to a Missy Elliott album, or if for some reason they don't enjoy Missy Elliott's music, hopefully they can read the chapter and then be like, oh, that's how I feel about a, a mortal technique or whatever you're listening right. to if you're not listening to to Missy Elliott like that's like that's the that's the goal of the thing is to just just let me let me scrape my feelings out of my chest and put them on this page and then you read it and then it's like oh those are like my that's my that's my version of this thing and so I'm glad that it works I'm glad that you feel that way when you read a thing it makes me feel very good no nah, man you know like that it's 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 the least i could do and like there's there's one like like there are several chapters that really spoke to me in that way but the one that i would really love to focus on real quick is um the one that starts out as you doing the rapper rookie cards which is a really mm. great concept on its own and then it turns into this like three four page tribute to mac miller like just out of yeah. no, like on a dime, it just switches. And like, it caught me completely off guard. And like, you just kind of take these moments. Um, like you just like take these like small little moments, like him on the talk show and um, him on Twitter and you listening to, um, to circles um, at the house in the woods. And just yeah. like, you kind of <laughs> just like, I like, like it just caught me so completely by surprise and kind of, um really summed up how I felt going back and re-listening to some of Mac's old stuff 
after he passed, Mm -hmm. like particularly uh, Good AM and Good AM Mm -hmm. and Swimming were the two that I was really like hung up on and just like, you know, like, like that, that happened for me when reading that section. And on top of having that emotional connection, I just thought like, I just love the idea of the chapter starting out one way and then just ending in a completely different way. So like, yeah. I guess the last question I have for you, because I know you have a, I know you got somewhere else to be, like, were there any other sections of hip hop and other things that started one way and ended up another? Or was that just like a, is that just like an exception that just kind of happened out of nowhere? Now that happens several times in the book and mostly it's on purpose with it, with this one, it was on purpose. I knew I wanted to write about Mac in the book. I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted to sneak my way toward it. That's what I wanted to do. And this is the reason that I do that is because Mac Miller sort of snuck his way into my heart, into my ears. You know, he started out as one thing and he ended um, his career as a completely different artist if you listen to his first tape versus his last tape which is often how it works when you're talking about very talented people and so I wanted to write about a thing that that does that without saying that's what I'm doing and so then you know then we come up with the idea for the oh we're going to do rapper rookie cards because that's just like a fun little gag to play to and and it it could it could 100% stand on its own you could just do a whole chapter that was like okay, if you have a Jay-Z rookie card, how much do you think it would be worth? If you have a Vince Staples rookie card, how much do you think it would be worth? You could do that for a whole chapter and everybody would be perfectly happy with it. But if you set it up that way and then you get to the Mac Miller moment and then rather than assigning any sort of value, you'd start talking about how like it's unnecessary and trivial to do that. And like, this is, you start talking about the bigger stuff or the more meaningful stuff than it. It has like an interesting trick in your head where you get leaning one way and then you get your feet kicked out from you the other way and when you're like you can't stop reading because now you have to you think you 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 have to know how it ends and you think you know in the beginning and halfway into the chapter the whole pitch changes and you're like oh sure well now I can't stop and then you have to read through the whole thing and you get to the end and you realize all the shit in the beginning was just like a trick but anyway that does happen in the book several times it's often on purpose it's often yeah, there's a reason to do it. Um, I'm glad that you picked up on it when you did, when you read through it, like that means it works. I have, a, that's one of the chapters that, you know, people like to take pictures of the book and send it to me on Twitter. And Same I think way. so far, so far of the like last couple of days since the book has been out, that's the one that I have been sent the most. There's a picture that um, Arturo, the illustrator drew of Mac Miller underwater in a swimming pool. And he's in the cross-legged. Suit. Yeah. And the suit from the album cover just looking very happy and like, like there's no gravity on him. Um, people have been sending me that picture or, or like a picture of that plus the text and being like, man, this really was like my favorite part or whatever. Um, right. So I'm glad I'm glad that it's working. I'm glad that people enjoy it. And it's just cool that to see like I wasn't the only one who felt that way listening to to a thing or like revisiting his music after after he fucking sadly passed away. It was like. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. Yeah, really. And like, and, and yeah, but the beautiful moment for me right now is that my good friend Donna, her book came out. The book of Mac came out the same day that your book. Did. Your buddies with Donna? Yeah, man. I used yeah, yeah. Like I work at Audio Max, so she's my boss. But like, we're like we're homies. Like that's that's. that's I had cool. no idea. Oh, that's dope. Um, I ordered the book yesterday. I I didn't even know like a thing was coming out, and then I saw it when I checked Amazon. Um, it was like all bundled together. I said, "What is this?" And then, oh, shit, shit, shit. And then I ordered it. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about that. What a, what a, what a beautiful book yeah, to write. For real, yeah. And, like, she's kind of, like, the she's kind of, like, the authority on Mac. Like, she, you know, of course, she did the whole Book of Mac series. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. watched that book come together um, behind the scenes because, like, once again, like, that, that, that's, like, my good homie. So, like, it's so, oh, so much. Like, great. So kind of to have these two things to kind of, like, like to read both of your words on them at the same time and to of course like you know go through and continue reading hip-hop and other things is just like I'm, I'm i'm just excited for that just off of like some like this is great type shit like <laughs> I, I i think i think everybody should buy that book instead of this book that's my, that's what i think <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> buy that yeah. buy that one first and read that one oh, and man. then and then and then when you finish and you got some extra time then come try this one i'm sure 
I'm sure that one's got to be better. I can't imagine how, like, have you read it yet? Uh, I haven't read the whole thing. I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces of chapters, but I haven't read the whole book. For, like, like my copy is coming in the mail like today. It should be on my uh, stoop like right now. So I, I can't, I can't imagine like what that feels like to read through that book. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Um, but before, uh, before we go, I have one more really, really fast question for you because you're like, you're like at the center, like you, uh, you cover so many different things and you cover them all with the same amount of passion and zeal. And uh, like I was saying before, so like, just like for anybody who's like, like if you had one piece of advice for somebody who has all these myriad interests and wants to get into like any aspect of content creation, whether it's writing or podcasting or, you know, like TV, like, you know, you just had the show that was announced um, a couple of days ago, which congratulations on that. Like, you know, so like if you had one piece of advice for somebody who wanted to get into this and cover all these things, not necessarily in the way you do, but just like just has multiple interests, but doesn't know how to focus them all into like one thing, like what would that Mm -hmm. piece of advice be if you if you had one? If they're at the very start of their career. So if you're at the very start of your career and you have a bunch of things that you want to write about or talk about or make videos about or podcast about, which is usually how it works. There's no, no person is like singularly driven by just one topic or whatever. Um, I think the piece of advice there, this is going to be very like a very practical piece of advice and it's not going to be very much fun, at least not in the beginning. Eventually it will be, but I think, What you have to do, we've seen it time and time again on the internet, is you have to build a lane for yourself. That's what that's like the goal here. And you can't do that if you're the person who covers everything. You just can't because you're not going to be good enough at any one of those parts to, to, uh, I guess, take precedence over somebody else who is dedicating more of their time to a thing. Like... With Mac Miller, for example, I, if somebody were to like write about Mac Miller or if if I put my essay out about Mac Miller and Donna put her essay out about Mac Miller at the same time, everybody would read Donna's before they read mine because she has already done the work. Like that's what she's known for. People know this is the Mac Miller expert. She's going to have a level of insight that Shay won't have because Shay hasn't done all the stuff that she's done. So I couldn't compete with her um, in, in that way, right? I think you have to approach, approach content creation that same sort of way. Like you need, to, you need to carve out a lane for yourself, become an expert in like one thing. And then once you have that, you use that and then you stretch your arms out a bit. When I first started my career, I was like, nobody would let me write for them. Mostly everybody would just ignore my emails. It wasn't until... I started being like, all right, well, I live in Houston. I'm going to cover Houston rap only. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to pitch the Houston press and I'm only going to pitch them Houston rap stuff because I don't see very much Houston rap coverage in here. And, and it's going to give me a better chance to get in there because rather than me being one of the like 600 people who's pitching Rolling Stone to write about the new Drake album. Now I'm like one of four people pitching Houston press to write about Slim Thug or whatever. And once I did that, I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to keep on pitching Houston rap stuff until I become the Houston rap guy. So that takes like a couple of years to to do it. But once that happened, once I became known as the guy who knows about Houston rap, then I could take that and go elsewhere. Then I could go to MTV and be like, hey, Bun B has a new album that's coming out. I've been writing about Bun B for three years already at this other place. You should let me write about it here. And then I got there and they're like, okay, cool. And so then I write my Bun B thing and now I have a relationship with the editor and I do another Houston thing and another Houston thing. And then eventually I'll, then eventually I'm like, Oh, well, let me do the other like non Houston thing. Cause this is all the same, you know, this is rap we're talking about. And I slowly start to expand out that way there. I think that you have to find a way in. And then once you get in, then it's, you know, then it's easier to grow out. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. oh, 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 no, it makes complete sense. That's that's more or less exactly what I've been doing. Like I've been I kind of had this focus on um, 
I had this focus on like everything that's new that, that had been happening in like the like the neoclassicist revivalist movement in like New York and like the kind of like rock Marciano type of like, mm -hmm. I hate to use the term now, it's kind of strange, but like lo-fi, like that was kind of my lane for a while. And like, I think, I think that's just such great advice to like, just like become hyper literate in something and prove that you have this basis and then move out from it. It's just, that's just, I just think that's great advice. It, may, it makes complete sense to me. So. Yeah, it, it, it's like, imagine if you were, if you have a, giant wall that you have to get through and a little hammer you're not gonna fucking hit the wall in a thousand different places you're gonna hit it in one little spot over and over and over again until you break a hole through it that way like that's what you're doing that's what you're doing here and once you do that then you know then everything becomes a a little bit easier because you have your like expertise and then also you can start to develop your your other skill set and then you can become good at those other things but you yeah you got to come in narrow right and then you go wide yeah and then you just and you just grow and just continue to grow and yeah that's 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 really it um yeah. i don't i don't have any more questions but like shay thank you so like you know, like as a fan of your work like thank you so much for coming on and talking about the book and just you know giving me an hour and change your time like i appreciate it more than i could say honestly i was, I was very excited I started following you on Twitter and I'm like, this guy seems interesting. Can't wait to talk to him. And now here we are, best friends, instant pals and whatnot. See, man, yeah, you already know. Like, I can't wait till we get the chance to like go catch a movie together at some point. Like, yeah, yeah like <laughs> I can't I can't wait to watch you fall asleep in a movie theater. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> that never happens to me. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, man, All right, man. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.